0: Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ. In our series, Identity Theft, we'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. So we welcome our online listeners. We have been covering a very boring topic, one that certainly doesn't arouse anyone's interest. Certainly it's a topic that is not going to create any type of an emotional response like hostility, hatred, and depravity. It is a topic that is tickling the ears of the people But if you have been listening, you'll know I am jesting. The topic that we've been covering is you've got hate mail, which is a topic on gossip and slander and what the process is that believers need to go through and who should we talk to and who should we confess to and many of the little details that come with the passage in Matthew 18 in regard to the proper procedures of a meeting like that. Last week we covered gossipers really indict themselves in the long run. We talked about how up front everything seems to be going their way, and typically it does. They have one significant thing going for them is that everyone believes a liar. Now, if someone lies to you and you already have previous information or data about what they're saying to you, you'll catch right away that they're lying to you. And then you do have the option of standing there listening to it or shutting them down. Statistics show that people do not stop liars they continue to listen to it and they don't know what to do about it tonight we will be talking about the action plans and the to-dos of how to handle that kind of thing we also talked about last week that the what the Hebrew meaning of gossip was is anyone able to recall what the Hebrew meaning of gossip it ends in betrayal. Betrayal is the action that comes out of gossip. Selling off your family member. And if they're not a family member, the actual family member, Old Testament-wise, would be selling another Jew to the enemy, whereas in the New Testament it is closely referred to as selling someone to Satan, as in the case was Judas. Judas. You think he was getting his thirty pieces of silver for, you know, selling them to the to the uh, spiritual leaders that wanted Jesus dead, but he was actually selling Jesus to Satan, and so that was a very bad decision. So we're going to be using Judas's life tonight and finishing up. You've got hate mail next week. We also talked about the Hebrew customs of gossip, and we talked about a little story of someone who who gossiped about a rabbi and came to the rabbi because he felt guilty and tried to reconcile with the rabbi and said, I'll do anything to make this right. The rabbi told him to go and rip open a feather pillow, throw it to the wind. He came back. Told the rabbi he was done and is finished, and then the rabbi proceeds to tell him, You no more can take back the words that you said uh, than you can gather all the feathers that have blown into the wind. So they have a very strong, rich heritage and generational belief system that protects the family, and that's why the Hebrew is selling a loved one to the enemy. We talked about the effects of gossip to future generations, and we kind of concluded that a lie told is a truth never to be heard. Why would that be true? Yeah, even if they're gossiping about true things, it is still classified a lie, Because they're repeating a story that they don't necessarily know the full story to. So a shortcut, half-cut, half-cocked truth is a lie. Very important to remember that. Now the truth being heard by the person who is being gossiped about is when that comes into play. So if the rumor mill has done its thing and you walk up to someone at the grocery store and you just start speaking the truth about whatever it is that you're, you're talking about in your discussion and the person listening to you is not going to believe you because they have chosen to believe the rumor mill. So that's basically how it happened. Before we move on any further, I want to talk to you about the Book of the Week. The Book of the Week is more of a booklet. There's going to be more of these booklets coming out by Dr. Fowler and myself. This is the first of a little mini-series that uh, we will be doing together. And this is called Fear, the Enemy of the Indwelling. Dr. Fowler is one of two of my theological mentors, and he does a refined job of talking about the union we have in Christ and Christ in us, and what fear has to do with that relationship. So, fears typically are defined as I'm afraid to public speak, I'm afraid of snakes. I'm afraid of whatever your list is. This is not what we're talking about here in this this writing project. Fears is involved in self-punishment. If you are actively involved in self-punishment, you're going to be a person bound by fear. If you are bound by fear, you're going to punish others. Because the scriptures say fear involves punishment. And if you're involved in fear and you are punishing others with your fear, you are lying to the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit has done the opposite with you. He he has come to indwell you and reassure you of the truth that has already set you free. And when the scriptures talk about that there is no fear in love and perfect love chases away fear, these are true statements made by the Holy Spirit in you. But we all seem to struggle with fears. So fears has a very serious ramification. This booklet reveals it. It's a very extensive booklet. It's a very thorough analysis, so to speak, of fear. But I will let you in on a little secret here. Is fear is birthed from anger. If you have fear in your life, you are an angry person by lifestyle. It doesn't mean that you're walking around throwing things. It's an internal disturbance of anger. This is a very powerful project here. And you just simply go to our website, do the drop down under About, and you'll see Founders Publications there. And you will see this publication. You click on the cover of the booklet and it will give you the free download okay I need to have someone come to the microphone please and read for us 1 Timothy chapter 5 verses 13 through 20
1: and with all that they learned to be idle wandering about from house to house and not only idle but tattlers also in busybodies, speaking things which they ought not I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. For some are already turned aside after Satan. If any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them, and let not the church be charged, that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. Let the elders... that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Them that sin, rebuke before all, but others also may fear.
0: Now there was some very harsh Statements made in that passage. What's one of them that jumps out to you? I always find it a bit rewarding when I hear an apostle from the times of Jesus speak so directly that they don't hide anything. They don't use terms like they turned aside and started following their self-life. They turned aside and started following their peers. They turned to their neighbor and dumped on their neighbor instead of going to Christ. No, they come out and they say, they turned and walked towards Satan. Now Satan, it wasn't walking around, nor is he today, wasn't walking around the community in a you know, black robe with blood dripping out of the corner of his mouth with horns coming through the hood. You know the Halloween image. The world that is being spoken of here, no matter what demonic force was at work in these people's lives that this passage is talking about, it all boils down to what Paul was telling Timothy, and that is they turned and began to follow Satan. You don't hear preaching like that today much. You hear everything kind of watered down a bit so it's not really offensive to listeners. I'm going to speak that direct to you tonight. I'm going to talk to all you Satan followers. You better listen very, very carefully to what we're going to discuss tonight because gossipers are of the evil one. And if you're an indwelt believer, have the life of Jesus Christ living in you, and you have a nasty habit of gossip, you are turning to follow Satan. It doesn't mean that he's your master. And I hope you're with me on this. These people back then were going from house to house talking about things that they were not supposed to be talking about. And what is the conclusive statement from Paul? I can't wait to meet the guy. You see, when you say things the way it really is, that's when persecution knocks at your door. When you say things in such a way that it, it it's kind of like you know, making a pathway through a bowl of jello. You're not really making an impact on the people that you're teaching and preaching to because you're cutting it short. It's called lying. If the scripture talks about something that is so incredibly directive and to the point, then we need, as a body, to let the Holy Spirit do the teaching, preaching, and talking through us in the same manner that it's given to the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about our question for today. What do you believe is the intent of those that gossip about others? So why would, I could see someone who is kind of intimately connected to the person they're gossiping about. What about just a stranger in the community Who doesn't have any kind of relationship with the one, the victim of gossip, why would they want to gossip? You've heard the term, the town gossip. Well, the town gossip gossips with the other town gossips. They usually have tea together, or coffee nowadays, I guess it is. And they all sit around the table, do you understand the passage that was read to us tonight? was dealing strictly with with women sitting around just talking about people when they should go get married. So whether you're a male or whether you're female doesn't matter. It's just going from house to house, sitting around talking about people. Couples do it. Men do it. Women do it. That's what's being addressed in our passage. Let's take a look at our next slide here. Pastors reveal the one phrase to stop gossiping immediately. When someone is trying to involve you in an offensive diatribe relating to someone else, the best thing to ask is, why are you telling me this? Is that difficult to ask that question? I mean, it really shouldn't be difficult if you're going to spend the next 25 minutes gossiping about the victim. Should it be that difficult to just say, excuse me, why are you telling me this? Why would that be also, by the same survey, saying that's the toughest statement or question to ask? What it does is it puts the rumor the gossiper to bed. It will shut their mouth. It not only will shut their mouth, it will get around very, very quickly. Don't tell Shelly about it because she'll say, why are you telling me about this? So Shelly gets thrown out to the wolves and becomes separated with the victim who she doesn't even know. So the price tag of saying, why are you telling me this? Puts you in the position of joining the victim. That's why. You figure that out very quickly. You make this snap decision on whether you are bold enough to ask such a question. Pastoral counselors say that this is effective. For a couple reasons. First, the question immediately disrupts any self-serving motive from the gossiper. And secondly, the phrase forces them to face the fact that they're probably none too happy, you being the one asking the question, that you're none too happy about being involved. Now, here's the horrible part of this, ramification-wise. You will never have that person approach you to be your friend, ever. The final sacrifice is that you are sacrificing the possibility of ever being friends with that person. And if you have some kind of friendship with that person, the odds are you're no longer their friend. You get the thumbs down. You've been defriended. Now, if there is repentance and reconciliation and whatever down the road, there can be a deeper and richer friendship than what you had before. But that is one of the price tags. Also, every time the person initiating the gossip will be taken back by the question, almost every time they will not have a good excuse as to why they are including you in this conversation. Based upon their response, it's much easier to simply state, I don't wish to be involved, or you should discuss this with him or her personally, or all three of them. Why are you telling me this? You need to be discussing this with them. I don't want to be involved. You just had the lid of your casket screwed down on that friendship outside of a miracle. So we need to talk about intent. So as we look at intent, Gospers often have the goal of protecting themselves from others discovering their own secrets that could reap destruction upon themselves. So they follow the adage of the first lie wins. Now the more intimate the relationship is with the victim, the higher the threat level. Typically family members, close friends, supposedly, have information that is far more dangerous, information about the gossiper. So if a brokenness occurs in the intimate relationship, brother, sister, best friends, whatever the case may be, the, when there's a brokenness there, they do a quick cost to the brokenness. Gossipers typically are birthed out of chaos, which is what the Hebrew word picture means. So they're typically not going to try to make things right with you. They're going to bolt. They're going to separate themselves from you. When they separate themselves from you, they have a decision that they have to make. And that decision is simply, am I going to wait to see if this person is going to Reveal my secrets. So oftentimes the intent that is behind the gossiper is to seal off that possible venue of revenge on the victim's part. So they gossip and magnify the gossip in such a way that it is not only revealing private information to another person, it's oftentimes exaggerated lies. The only way to truly understand what is being said is to hear the story from both sides. Then you can evaluate. That is not the case here. It is a very simple case of the Gospers magnifying, making the story real juicy, And so they become the primary source. Then if the victim comes back with something publicly or privately, then they have their defense in regard to saying they are defensive. They're fighting back. So it puts them in the position of the first lie wins. It also puts them in the position of being the base for the real story because they were the first to come up with the story. There's our dilemma. Therefore, they proceed to build themselves up by making others look bad and ironically position themselves as the source and respiratory of the real story. For biblical wisdom reveals that all disputes have two sides, but revelatory discussions ultimately reveal the sins of both disputers, resulting in the deception that the one who gossips first is protecting themselves from truth that could come forward regarding the core dispute, all under the banner of, I'm just sharing my life. I'm just sharing my perspective. I'm just sharing my story. No matter how kind you make it, after you say it, you need to understand, once it's out of the mouth, it's recorded in the book of life. The Jews call it, so it is said, so it is written. And it goes on for the generations. listening to identity matters podcast we appreciate having you join us today feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org we have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in christ again thank you for joining us